Welcome to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. The My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is your local source for the latest news and information on fishing Cape Cod. Now, here's your host, Kevin Collins. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast here from MyFishingCapeCod.com. Back with you for another September edition of the weekly podcast, and thank you for joining us. We flipped the calendar officially from summer into fall, and the fall run is underway. We've got a great lineup of guest experts to join the show today, led off by MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins. Next up, we're going to be joined by Eric Wisniewski of the Goose Hummock down in beautiful Orleans, Massachusetts. Phil Howarth, who usually joins us on the podcast, is busy down at the Norwalk Boat Show, which is where Ryan is currently in transit to on this Friday afternoon. And last but not least, we'll check in with proud MFCC member Bruno Demir from Cape and Islands Mitsubishi. One thing I want to mention right off the top of the program is the MFCC Surf Casting Derby that's going to take place on October 2nd. This is a members-only surf casting tournament open to all members of My Fishing Cape Cod. The original max was set at 50 entrants by Ryan, but they've since opened up some more slots, so... If you're interested in joining the surf casting tournament on October the 2nd, head over to mfcc.com. You can go to the blog and right in there you can register. So once again, October the 2nd, the My Fishing Cape Cod Surf Casters Tournament. Head on over to the MFCC blog if you're interested. Now let's dive right into today's program and welcome in our first guest. Well, as usual on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast, we're going to be led off the top of the show by MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins. Ryan, how are you on this Friday? I'm doing pretty well, Kevin, just currently en route to the Norwalk Boat Show down south in Connecticut. Yeah, and you're going to be joining, uh, meeting up with Team Goose down there, huh? Sure am. Got a seminar at 5 p.m. today and 2 p.m. tomorrow. So hopefully it'll be a good weekend. Well, awesome. I know you've had a chance to get out on your boat, the Miss Loretta, a little bit among some other crafts. I know you were out with Cullen as well earlier in the week. You've been a busy guy. So let's start off with Close to Home. I know you've been doing a little bit of studying on the giant gator blues that have, you know, taken up residence inside Cape Cod Bay. Yeah, I'm getting reports from Plymouth to P-Town down to Billingsgate about really big bluefish. So 48 hours ago, my dad and I ventured out, and we more or less hung out around the east end of the canal, and we did find some really big bluefish. My dad got probably the biggest blue he's ever caught, one of the biggest blues I've ever seen. It had to be 15 pounds. I didn't weigh it, but it was substantial. And I've been learning a lot about these big blues because I've been filming them underwater. As usual, I'm addicted to filming the fish underwater. And then yesterday I was filming them with my drone. And, boy, the conditions were a little choppy the last couple days. And it's pretty windy today, too. But we made the most of it. And what I've learned is the bluefish, well, I kind of already knew this, but they attack their prey items from the tail. And I got some really awesome video and underwater photos of the bluefish coming up and attacking the magic swimmers. And they're all biting it tail first. And we're so accustomed to talking about striped bass and other fish species taking the bait head first, but it's pretty apparent to me at least 
that the fish are, or the bluefish rather, are biting baits tail first. So I would say if you're going to go specifically for bluefish right now in Cape Cod Bay, just put a big single hook on the tail end of whatever lure you're using, and that will make it a lot easier to deal with the bluefish once you get them in the boat because when you're dealing with such huge bluefish, they can certainly take a tip of your finger off if you're not careful when you're unhooking them. Now, another thing I also learned watching them attack the magic swimmers from the drone is that they would sometimes trail behind the magic swimmer. We were trolling, and if my dad was trolling at like three miles an hour, they would oftentimes follow the magic swimmer. But once he boosted it up to six miles an hour and the magic swimmer like darted ahead going a lot faster, that change in speed triggered a bite. And I actually got that on video a couple of times where the bass were just, or excuse me, where the bluefish were just falling behind the magic swimmer. And then once we went quicker, they just could not resist and they just attacked us. So I've been learning a lot about bluefish this week. And of course, Kevin, they're really good for the smoker. And over the last couple of years, I've noticed that the big bluefish, they stick around right through at least the middle of October. So that will definitely be an option. And if you're looking for tuna bait, that's a great, great tuna bait, even the really, really big bluefish. We, we got a bite from a giant tuna a couple of years ago on a bluefish that was probably 10 to 15 pounds. So they are not too big to use for tuna bait, that's for sure. And that's a good segue, Ryan. I know you've also got a chance to get out and do some school bluefin fishing. We're not talking about the giants that inhaled your 15-pound bluefish, but I know you've had a chance to get out this week, you know, recently, and a little bit of the rough weather we've had. We've had some gusty conditions and still successfully target, you know, some of these school bluefin and, and get some great footage as well. Yes, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we were supposed to have group fishing trips for Schooly Bluefin Tuna with Captain Cullen of Cape Star Charters. Unfortunately, yesterday and Wednesday was just way too windy to do it. Most of the uh, school tuna are out east. So even on land, like yesterday, for example, it didn't feel too windy. But if you were out east of the Cape, it was unfishable, at least for most boats. But we were able to get out there on Tuesday. It was still rough on Tuesday. And we tried getting out the north cut, and we couldn't do it. So we went to the south cut in Chatham, and we were able to sneak out. But you had breakers coming in. You had sandbars. The current was moving against the wind. Very dangerous getting out those cuts in those conditions. But we were able to sneak out. Fortunately, we didn't have to go very far because it was very rough. And we found fish working under birds. They were swirling around, not big ones, but like 50, 60-pound tunas. They wouldn't touch any lures that we were casting. They wouldn't touch the Ronzies that we tried jigging. But as has been the case, and I know Captain Phil from the Goose mentioned this either last week or the week before in our podcast, trolling spreader bars this year has been killer. It worked earlier in the season south of the vineyard, and now... East of the Cape, trolling squid bars, or excuse me, spreader bars. I keep calling them squid squid bars. Trolling spreader bars is the way to go. And as soon as we put a spreader bar out behind the boat, 
started trolling around six miles per hour, we were on. And I got some really cool underwater shots and drone shots of a tuna hitting the spreader bar, which I posted yesterday to the blog. You can go over to myfishingcapecon.com, and if you're a member, you can click on that post and watch. And this tuna, it's quite interesting watching him attack the spreader bar. The tuna came up, took a look at it, and he actually paused and looked right at the bait, then did a circle around the spreader bar, came back, swiped at it, didn't commit. He, like, opened his mouth, almost touched the last squid bait on the spreader bar, and then said, nope, not going to happen, fell back a little bit, circled around again, came up, paused right before the spreader bar, and then just attacked it. And he just engulfed it. You can see the whole thing on the underwater video. Really cool watching this animal almost go through a decision-making process of sorts. And when we're trolling, before having these gadgets, you know, a drone in the sky, a camera on the line, I kind of just figured they just came up and whacked it. But based off of what I got on video, it seems like they're much, much more uh, thought goes into it before they commit to attacking. Really, really cool. So that was on Tuesday. We caught three small tunas. We kept two. And boy, the amount of meat that you get off these fish is really something. And I know you've benefited from that. I was able to give you some some meat yesterday. Yeah, that was great, Ryan. And that kind of leads me into my next topic. I just wanted you to talk about, you know, the process and the, the manual labor that goes into harvesting and filleting a fish like that. Well, you can do a quick job and just take the loins of the tuna and chuck the carcass and the head and that's what I see most folks doing. And I decided, you know what, it's such an incredible creature, and I'm trying to do the best job I can with regards to harvesting fish, especially this year. I've been keeping lots of different fish. I've been trying to learn the best ways of filleting and processing each fish. And with the tuna... I really took my time, and I spent several hours, actually, filleting this 50-pound fish. And I got almost every little bit of meat off of it. So I got it all on video, and I'll include it probably in this winter's season of My Fishing Cape Cod TV. But I took the loins of the tuna off, like most folks usually do. Then I worked on the belly meat, which is, like, buttery. It's so, like, fatty and greasy. That's definitely, in my opinion, the best part for sushi. And then the head. I actually removed a fair amount of meat from the head of the tuna. And I've, I've never been exposed to that before. I know folks do it, but in the past when I've fished with guys, you know, they just remove the head and just kind of chuck it overboard. But there's actually a lot of good meat on the head. And there's some good videos on YouTube for how you can remove uh, the meat from that. And then the carcass itself, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the carcass and I'm seeing meat. So I took a spoon and just kind of scooped the leftover meat from the actual carcass. And I filled up a whole bowl full of tuna that otherwise would normally be disposed of. 
And then, of course, I cut out the eyeballs of the tuna because I know that some folks eat that, but Lauren, Lauren saw me do that. And she said, no way that's going in the refrigerator. So I ended up disposing of the eyeballs. Why wouldn't you just eat them raw right then and there? Well, I did that with the, the tuna heart earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard about guys eating the, the heart when they catch their first tuna? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. I've also seen it, I think, on Deadliest Catch at times where guys will do that to a, a, a cod or a haddock or something for, for good luck for the season. So, obviously, I've caught tuna before, but Cullen was processing a tuna on board, and he pulled out the heart, and I had never actually taken a bite of it. So, earlier in July, I actually did take a bite of the tuna heart, and it, to me, it tasted just like sushi, but just a bit firmer a bit more texture to it. You know, growing up, I, I would have been completely disgusted by the thought of eating a heart of an animal or a fish. But now as I'm getting older, I'm seeing just how it makes perfect sense. You're, you're killing a, an animal. Why not try to make the most of every bit of that animal? So I am enjoying exploring and, and learning more about you know, processing tuna, and I'll keep you all posted with, you know, what I what I find moving forward. And the last thing I wanted to check in with you on, Ryan, is a little closer to home, just kind of a general striped bass report and a Cape Cod Canal report. I know some folks in the forum have been having good luck down at the canal. Seems like there's been some big bluefish in there as well. There's also been some really nice blitzes of good-sized bass, and I dropped a camera off the east end down on the bottom, when I was out in my boat this past week, and I saw some nice uh, stripers swim by. I didn't catch them, but there's definitely some quality fish in the canal. Now, down on the Outer Cape beaches, I think it's been a little too rough to surf cast there, but I know some folks in the forum have been posting to the Surfcasters thread, which is just an incredible resource if you're looking to catch stripers from the beach. And they've been doing pretty well. I think most of them are fishing maybe Cape Cod Bay, Buzz's Bay, maybe off the south side at night there's been some good peanut bunker blitzes reported so it seems like the fall runs definitely on i think right now is a great time to try to catch a striper from the beach and the albies too would you like to talk a little bit about albies no you've been spending some time you know on your boat as well with your dad and your mom in the last couple of weeks hunting albies i have and i'm just hearing that for a while it was kind of slow like End of August, beginning of September was really, really good for Albies, and then it kind of slowed down, but I've gotten some reasonable reports that the action, again, is starting to pick up a little bit in Vineyard Sound and then a little bit east. I'm still not hearing about Albies and Buzzards Bay. There's got to be some in there, but I'm not hearing about it, and I heard some rumors about some Albies in the canal, but again, they're just, just rumors, but I do think if you're looking for Albies, you know, down off the south side of the Cape, you're, you're going to have a reasonable chance now, especially over towards Vineyard Sound. All right, Ryan, I'll let you continue on your way down to the Norwalk Boat Show. want to wish you and Lauren the best of luck down there with your presentations and seminars, and I look forward to catching up with you next week and hearing all about it. Sounds good, Kevin. Have a great day. Next up on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is our good buddy Eric Wisniewski from down at the Goose Hummock Shop in Orleans. And Eric, welcome to the podcast for the very first time, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's awesome to have you. I know a lot of the team from Team Goose is headed down to the Norwalk Boat Show 
and is already currently down there. Have you got any reports of how that's going? Oh, it's the the booth is awesome. You know, they got the casting tank down there promoting. You know, showing how lures are are swimming in the water. They they brought the boat down. They rigged it all up. Have tons of the new custom rods. You know, fitted out with the reels. Uh, you know, just to show what you know what uh what's possible in the in the tuna world down there. You know, the brand new 44 contender. Um, now it's it's an awesome setup they got. So I know the school bluefin tuna fishery has been doing really well the last couple of weeks. Just want to start there. Give us a quick report on what you're hearing about the school bluefin game. Yeah, so it it has been popping. It's been really good. Um, there's no real one place. Um, you know, in terms of numbers or anything, it's just because of the amount of bait that's out east of Cape Cod here, we got a lot of peanut bunker, a lot of uh, butterfish, you know, in the two to five inch range, you got um, some uh, half beaks showing up. So it's providing, you know, the the dinner table is set out there um, pretty much anywhere from, you know, up off Peaked Hill all the way down to Chatham and the inlets, um, anywhere from in, in close all the way out to, you know, three, 400 feet. Um, you, you know, people have just been going out there. If they're not seeing anything, they're starting to troll the bars, you know, until they start finding a little more consistent life. Um, but people have also been getting them on the blind cast. You know, they go out there and just see a few birds and toss out either a Ron Z or, you know, a strategic or something like that. And uh, they've been getting, you know, the random whack. Um, and it, it's the perfect size fish, too, you know, anywhere from, you know, the 45 to 60 inches, which, uh, you know, that, that, that's what you want for the recreational stuff. Now, are there any giants mixed in? Are you hearing reports of any uh, larger bluefin kind of mixed in with these fish, or is it pretty much now, just school yeah, size? Yeah, there, there are. Um, before, they were typically a little a little deeper, but now they are kind of starting to get a little more mixed in. They're not. We, we, we haven't experienced really any concentration of the big fish. They're just kind of scattered around. But uh, one, of, one of our captains the other day, uh, Josh Zacharias, was – you know, they were seeing small fish, and they were casting into them. And then um, one of his one of his guys cast cast that Ronzi out there, and all of a sudden a huge explosion. And it, you know, they were strapped onto a 500 pounder for the next few hours. So, yeah, it's a little little mixed bag of everything, but it's mostly smaller fish. Now, correct me if I'm wrong regarding the Giants. Is the commercial season closed again? Yeah, so it, it is still closed, and, and I did just get confirmation it is opening back on the 1st. Well, that's good to hear. So at least, uh, you know, there will be an opportunity for some folks that are looking to hook into a Giant, maybe make a little money before the end of the year, that they'll still have an opportunity to do so. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully the, the wind lays down for the last few days. It's actually been blowing pretty good down by us. Yeah, it's been blowing good up here in Cape Cod Bay as well. So let's talk a little bit, you know, more about closer to home. What are you hearing in terms of striped bass? We'll say from shore. Is there anything going on on those backside beaches, like Nossip Beach or anything like that? Yeah. So yeah, the the backside beaches have been have been, uh, you know, some relatively consistent. Um, we are starting to experience more action coming into earlier in the day. You know, about a month ago it was kind of a night bite. But now we're um, we're hearing of some action, you know, bass pushing peanuts up onto the beach, um, you know, in, in the late afternoon, early evening, and then once it goes into that nighttime, um, you know, when the sun goes down, that that's really when the bigger ones are starting to come in and and hit lures and plugs. And we've had a pretty good influx here of bluefish inside Cape Cod Bay. Are you hearing of bluefish kind of everywhere? We haven't heard of many on the outer cape, but Got it. in the bay, yeah, there have been some absolute gators 
you know, pe- people um, popping them up on topwater stuff, trolling them up on uh, deep divers. But, it is, yeah, it has been cool, uh, awesome if you want to get into – I think our uh, guy said he got a 17-pound, 38-inch wow. bluefish the other day. Yeah, that's certainly, you know, one of the biggest bluefish I've ever heard of. Um, right. And one of the other things I wanted to ask about – just kind of what's going on, uh, I'll say, in the store as we kind of move into the fall. Um, you know, are you guys moving a lot of funny fish stuff? Are people really targeting albies? Are you hearing about, you know, people going out albie yeah. fishing? Yeah, that that's still going on pretty strong. Obviously, with the weather, you know, people haven't been able to really get out from uh, on the boat as much. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's been good um, down, down our way, too, you know, in the Chatham-Harwich, uh, Dennis area, as well as, obviously, you know, um, down closer to Hyannis, Cotuit, Craigville, um, but because of the amount of bait out there, we're you know we're still hoping um, for the next month and a half, you know, through October, it, it you know should still be you know pretty pretty consistent. And along those lines too of the fall fishery, I know people start to kind of change gears a little bit, and when it's really windy, a lot of people will try their hand at a lot of the kettle ponds around Cape Cod as well. Are you oh, guys. Yeah. You guys give me a quick little kind of synopsis on freshwater fishing in the kettle ponds? Yeah, so so we're, obviously, you know, it's still saltwater season, but we are very much looking forward to the next uh, month or so. Typically, they start the state starts stocking trout um, kind of like either that last week of September or the first week of October. So that's coming up, and right then, obviously, you know, we're, our, our minds are, are uh, changed to, to sweetwater stuff. The kettle ponds obviously also have bass fishing, uh, which has been very good um, for the last few months. Um, and as we as we approach some cooler temperatures, those smallmouth, which is what we really like, are gonna you know come, uh, start coming in a little shallower water and uh, you know and start chomping before the winter. And the uh, goose, in terms of freshwater stuff, are you guys kind of gearing up at all? Are you guys fully stocked for folks that may want to come down and, and check out the freshwater gear? Yeah, yeah, you know, we got tons of spoons, little Rapalas, bakers. Uh yeah, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to it. A lot of a lot of rubber stuff, you know, Ned rigs for the smallmouth and that kind of thing, definitely. And I know we've kind of officially changed, you know, from summer into fall. The last day of summer was was earlier this week, uh yeah. which is always sad. Um in terms of the store, what are we looking at? Are we still open, you know, the same old hours? Did the did the hours change at all as we move into the fall? Yeah, so we did just change to our fall hours. Um, start uh, starting, I think, next week. It's going to be uh, starting on Monday, nine to five thirty every day, and then Sunday is eight to four. Awesome. Well, really appreciate the update, my friend. It was great having you on the podcast for the first time ever, Eric. And I hope we get you on sometime soon, maybe later in the season. Hey, sounds good. Thank you very much. Well, next up on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is our good friend Bruno Demir from down at Cape and Islands Mitsubishi. And Bruno, how are you doing on this Friday? I'm doing great. Hello, MFCC. And uh, unfortunately, we're not fishing today. It's too windy, but I had a great couple of trips this week. Well, that's good to hear. And were you out bluefin fishing this week, Bruno? Yeah, last couple of weeks, we've just been concentrating on... uh, the um, recreational size bluefin tuna to uh, stock up our freezers for the winter. So, how did these trips go? Give me a give me a report. I know you've been crushing the uh, the school bluefin game. Uh, well, last we spoke, I was out at the sword, and uh, at the Regal Sword, we we got our 
uh, 44 inch bluefins pretty quickly. Uh, and then this week we got lucky enough that they were right at Crab's Ledge. And um, we went out there on Monday. Um, it was rough, very, very rough, four to five foot seas. Um, they were tight, very tight at one point, but we we went out there and, and, and roughed it. And uh, within 45 minutes, we had two bluefin tuna on the deck, beautiful 44-inch fish that uh, we picked up on green machines. We, we, we only had two green machines trolling off the back of the boat, only about 50, 50 yards, 40 yards away, and, uh, and we, we hit our limit pretty quickly on Monday. And then uh, Tuesday, we decided to go out one more time, and uh, I thought Monday was rough, but Tuesday was worse. <laughs> And um, and uh, there was a pretty good fleet out there at that point. Word got out pretty quick that the, the fish were right on Crab's Ledge. And uh, I know Ryan was actually out there on Tuesday, too. A um, couple other folks from the forums. Kyle Wiley was out there in his boat. Um, and um, everyone hooked up. Everyone got a fish. Um, this time around, I did not get it on the green machines we got it this time on a uh ballyhoo uh trolling it with an islander um skirt on it and uh that's what we fooled our bluefin with and uh we only kept one that day uh just because i i you know you can only eat so much tuna fish so i don't want to harvest more than i know my family will uh eat by the you know end of winter you talked a little bit about the uh, the weather conditions kind of deteriorating out there. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that presents when you're when you're fishing for blue, bluefin out there? Yeah, you know, it, when you when you're fishing for those smaller bluefin, the recreational size, um, the majority is always going to be east of Chatham, and when you have an east wind, unlike a west or a southwest, um, there isn't much blocking that wind from coming at you. It's just coming right off that ocean, off the Atlantic. So anytime you see an east wind, it's it's you know that it's going to be pretty big waves and they're going to be tight swells. And the challenge with that, as you're fishing for bluefin, is unlike giants, you know, when you're giant bluefin fishing, you throw an anchor, right? And you know, once you throw the anchor, the bow of the boat faces those big waves, and you know you it's not so bad no matter how rough it gets you're just floating off that anchor line um the challenge is with the recreational size bluefin you have to troll for them and uh when you're trolling in four to six footers uh it can be dangerous so you just got to make sure that all anything that's sharp or uh dangerous is put away because you might fall and uh you just got to really put safety first because it's not worth being hurt over a uh, tuna fish now bruno you said you you know you're stocked up for the winter your freezer's full of meat so if you're not going to be school bluefin fishing from here on out we still got plenty of good days left hopefully what are you going to turn your attention to um well the um i was going to go um commercial size um giant bluefin tuna fishing because um i i saw a lot of really, really big marks of bluefin 
on the bottom when we were fishing this week out at Crab's Ledge. Uh, but unfortunately, last night, um, well, I guess fortunately and unfortunately, they shut down the commercial season yesterday for bluefin tuna, and that won't reopen until October 3rd. So I probably am going to be laying pretty low, just lobstering, because the lobstering is really good right now, and uh, waiting for that bluefin tuna season to open up so that I can get out there and try to get a paycheck to uh, cover the expenses of my boat for the season. Now, Bruno, along with the tuna fishing that you do in the fall, we like to check in with you as well on fluke. We talked last week briefly. You were getting some reports from captains in the marina. Are you still hearing about some decent fluking going on? Um, last week we had some calm weather, and I know guys went down to Orion Shoal and got, got a good amount of fluke, and they were still there. Um I know they'll still be there until the first nor'east wind that we get, that one good blow in October will pretty much uh, scatter those fish back into the deep. So if you look for fluke, they're still there. Um, I'm a big fan of eating bluefish. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Um, this time of the year, the bluefish get really fat before they take off, and they are absolutely delicious. Uh, if you bleed them and 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 uh, process the fish properly, especially, I don't know if you've ever tried bluefish ceviche, but it is absolutely phenomenal. So blue fishing is on my horizon. Yep. Not so much fluke fishing, although they're there. Ironically, we were talking about a lot of great funny fish out from Monomoy in the last couple of weeks, and that bite really died out. Um, there was a ton of bait in Monomoy in the last two, three weeks. A um, bunch of baby um, herring just everywhere. Hmm. And it kept those fish there for a long time. And it was lights out albie fishing. And unfortunately, you know, when I was coming back from the tuna bite, as I cut through Monomoy, there was a lot of funny fish captains out there that were frustrated that couldn't get their... Uh, customers on any kind of albie action um, but hopefully uh, with, a, with a little bit of time the bait will come right back into Monomoy and Monomoy will light up again coming uh, this weekend into next week and last but not least Bruno what's going on down at uh, Cape and Islands Mitsubishi anything good we just got another shipment of the new Mitsubishi Outlander we have been sold out so this is this is a whole nother vehicle. It just got redesigned uh, for the 2022 model, and I can tell you that it's already winning awards. It's a game changer for Mitsubishi. So if you're in the market for an SUV and you want to spend eight thousand dollars less than a Toyota or Honda, you've got to check these things out because we're sold out the few, five days after the trucks roll in with the cars. That's how hot they are right now. Well, that's good to hear, Bruno, and I strongly encourage folks as well, you know, the fishing community here at My Fishing Cape Cod, if you're in the market for a new or used truck as well to pull your boat or just, you know, store your kayaks, whatever you want to do with the outdoors, Bruno's your guy, right? That's it. One-stop shop. Talk fishing and talk trucks. All right, Bruno, thanks so much for sharing some of your time and your knowledge with us on this week's podcast. I always look forward to our chats on Friday. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, buddy. Good luck and tight lines, everybody.
A big thanks to Bruno Demir from Cape and Islands Mitsubishi, and that's going to put the wraps on today's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all our guests that took time out of their week to join today's show, starting with MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins, Eric Wisneski from down at the Goose Hummock Shop in Orleans, Massachusetts, and last but not least, Bruno Demir from Cape and Islands Mitsubishi. That's going to do it here for me, your host, Kevin Collins. And until we chat again next week, tight lines and take care. Thanks for tuning in to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. For the latest local news, information, and fishing reports, be sure to log on to myfishingcapecod.com. From all of us at My Fishing Cape Cod, tight lines and take care.